So we are continuing on in Unit 7 of The Gospel is the Power. Unit 7 is divine power to destroy. We are destroying everything in our lives that is not of God through the power of the gospel. And we are halfway through point B, which is know nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So as we do that, we're at point three in number or letter B, which is it's not the philosophies of man or the culturally syncretized spiritualities that are out there, even if they are saying that it's biblical or saying that it's um, in the body of Christ. So Paul says it this way in the letter to the Colossians. This is such a beautiful, wonderful verse. So starting with verse 6, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Now, think about that. How did you receive Christ Jesus? When you first believed, well, there's the answer right there. You didn't receive Christ by anything that you did, except for trust in him from the bottom of your heart. And what Paul is saying is the same way that how simple it was when you first believed, just like a little child, it's in the heart that you you're something in your heart just reached up in faith and said, yes, I believe. Paul is saying, just as you did that then, walk in him every day. Know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Don't let it get complicated. Keep it simple. And he goes on, verse 7, rooted and built up in him, not in all this other stuff, in him, and established in the faith, not in all the rules and regulations, in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding with thanksgiving. Here we go. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So we've talked about this extensively, the elemental spirits of this world, the powers and principalities and rulers in the heavenly places that are over your wherever you grew up, your nation, your continent, your city, your state, all of these things. But then there's also, he mentions, philosophy and human tradition. So the various ways that humans have adapted themselves to the deceptions that the the powers and rulers in the heavenlies have introduced to steer them away from the wisdom of God. So philosophies of men, just some examples of this, human precepts, human teachings, psychology. I know I mentioned that before, but it's really big in the West. It's like the gospel of psychology sometimes over here, and it's not the real gospel. The gospel of psychology is not the power of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ, that's the power of God. Positive thinking. That's another thing. People try to incorporate that into the body of Christ. Well, I'm telling you, if you think that the power of positive thinking is the truth of the gospel, you know, or the power of positive confession, like you just say it, pray it, say, say, always say positive things, then you're going to have some real difficulty when you read through the gospels and read some of the things that Jesus said. You know, like someone who's forcing themselves to always think positive or be positive or say positive things, they're going to have a chance challenge when they run across the fact that Jesus looked square in the face of some Pharisees and said, you are sons of your father, the devil. You know, he didn't say, oh, look at your religious zeal. That's going to get you far with God. Nope. 
It wasn't this like, oh, let me find something nice to say about you. No, Jesus called it like it was, okay? So this is all philosophies of men that have made their way into the body of Christ or into the minds of unbelievers, clearly. Um, Yoga, you know, this is something that is in the world. If you go to India, all of the Indian pastors I've ever met, they know that yoga is not of God, and they know that yoga is a spiritual thing. But somehow in the West, there's like churches all over the place doing quote-unquote Christian yoga. When I have said that in India to the pastors that I have visited, literally their faces are contorted with disgust and confusion at how people could even consider that yoga could ever be a Christian thing. It is not. It is the worship of false gods and idols from the Indian heritage and, and the roots. So that's something. It's a philosophy of men. It's a human teaching. It is not the gospel. Astrology. We talked about how the, the, all of the nations are under the rule of the sun, moon, and stars. But just because God made the sun, moon, and stars, and just because God's sovereign over them, that is a teaching of man. It's a teaching from the evil one. It's a lower power than having direct access to God. And the gospel gives us direct access to God. But these things, depending on where you live, there's always the latest, greatest trend in the world. Like right now, mindfulness, that's like the key buzzword. We have to be mindful. That's the thing. But like mindfulness, it's just the same old, same old. It is not the gospel. It is a philosophy of man. It is a human teaching. It is, it, it's not going to get you very far. And just like all the other trends, it's going to fade away and prove itself to be powerless. So other philosophies, evolution, the Big Bang Theory, you know, these are things that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. These are not of God. There are also governmental structures that are not the kingdom of God. Capitalism, socialism, communism, tribal cultural influences, all of these things. These are not. As you receive Christ, walk in him. Don't let any of these other things take you captive and hold you as their prisoner. The gospel set you free from all of these things. Don't be captive to them again. This can also apply to human traditions, church traditions, and doctrines of men that have made their way into the church. So just because something has been a teaching in the church since the 300s or since the 1500s doesn't mean that it's really the what the Word of God says. You know, men have misinterpreted the Word of God for centuries, all right? Jesus, when looking at religious men that were standing right in front of him who had misinterpreted interpreted the Word of God and created traditions that were not of God, this is what he said to them. This is from Mark 7, verse 13. Thus making void the Word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. So Jesus is like, yeah, by your tradition, you're nullifying, you're making void the Word of God. The very thing you claim to be exalting is you're actually rendering 
rendering it powerless in people's lives because you've created this tradition that is your own application of what you think God means. And there's a lot of that kind of stuff in the church all over the world today, traditions of man that were introduced to the church in one century or another that have no basis. When you read your Bible, the church in the Bible is totally different than if you walk into most churches in the world today. Now, there are some who are just like the New Covenant, just like the New Testament, and that's awesome in my book, but there are many, 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 many churches that are existing more in the traditions of men rather, or the, the philosophies of men rather than the truth of the Word of God. Um, and so, and there are also teachings which foster speculation or make you want to have special knowledge. You know, people thinking, well, if I just have special knowledge, if I just figure it all out, then I'll be okay. But, you know, false teachers, they try to present that they have special knowledge or that they have some special insight or revelation, and it can get them on TV shows and it can get them to sell a lot of books. But, you know, really anything that the Lord wants to reveal to you, He can reveal it to you directly. Special knowledge, it's Gnosticism. We don't need special knowledge. We just need to know the special one. The special one is Jesus. Hallelujah. Paul said to Timothy, have nothing to do with foolish and ignorant controversies. You know they only breed quarrels. You know, they are useless. And false teachers, this is Paul's description to Timothy of false teachers. He says, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, and evil suspicion. So false teachers are always trying to say, like, look at this special thing that I figured out from the Word of God. And usually, nine times out of ten, when I hear someone presenting something like that, all I have to do is look maybe a chapter before or a chapter behind the passage that they're saying they have this special revelation of, and I can very quickly identify that they are ripping and can contorting that scripture completely out of its original context, that there is absolutely no possible way that what they're saying God is saying is what God is actually saying. They're just taking scripture and they're trying to make it sound like something that it, that is great and that's going to make them really popular. And all it does is create arguments and strife and reviling between one another. This is what false teachers do. So, and it's also not about, on that note, it's not about uh, eloquence or oratory. There are a lot of people out there who are great speakers, and I've even seen people who present the gospel, and it's obvious to me that they are a trained speaker. But, you know, there's something about that that to me is just a little inauthentic. You know, we need to be proclaiming the word from the Spirit of God, not from the training of man or rehearsing and practicing and making sure that we're really polished and professional. That is actually the opposite of what the Apostle Paul did. I think if most of us encountered the Apostle Paul or heard his preaching, we might be really underwhelmed. You know, rather than overwhelmed, we'd be underwhelmed. We would be unimpressed because Paul even said, Paul actually took a lot of heat. The false apostles were trying to say that Paul was not a real apostle because he was such an unimpressive speaker. 
All right. Because the false apostles, they were all about like, look at how powerful I am. Look at what awesome revelation I have. And you know what? That's exactly the context where Paul said, that's great. Knock yourselves out. You're all false. You have no idea what you're talking about. As for me, I'm going to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. All right. The way he described it to the to the Corinthians is for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel and not with eloquent words of wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. He wanted to proclaim the cross of Jesus. He didn't want to make himself look like this great orator. And really, in the days of the early church, philosophy, being a philosopher, and being an orator, were they were revered in that day, the kind of the same way that celebrities are today. It's like speakers in that day, they were the celebrities. Everyone wanted to hear what the speakers had to say. And if they had a special panache or a special flair, it didn't matter what they were saying. It was just so fun to listen to them. And so the false teachers would learn all of their techniques. And hey, people are doing that in the body of Christ today. Let's learn all the, the techniques of professional speaking. Some first told me when I first was called to preach the gospel, they said, oh, you should go to this club. It's like about how to speak, how to do public speaking. And it was like, no, I'm going to abide in the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to get trained as a professional speaker. And maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking, Wendy, I wish you would have. But hey, I'm speaking genuinely from the heart of the transformation that God has done in my life and the revelation of the Word of God that He has given to me. I'm not putting on a show for any anyone but him. And all I'm trying to do is not impress you with eloquent words of wisdom. You know, in the world, it's really a good idea. You have your little vocabulary word of the day, so you can have this really impressive vocabulary and look like you're a smart person because you know how to use big words that nobody knows the meaning to. And every time they talk to you, they have to go get a dictionary to see what it is that you're talking about. I don't know if you've noticed, I don't use those words. I also abstain from using theological words. I use simple words. Kids can understand what I'm talking about. I don't use eloquent words of wisdom because I don't want the cross of Christ to be emptied of its power by me trying to look powerful in your sight. That's the way the Apostle Paul did it. That's the way I'm doing my best to do it that way, to follow him as he followed Christ. He also said it this way, And when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided, here we go, to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. I know we read this scripture before, but we're getting into the part that fits with that it's not about someone just being a good speaker. Someone can be a good speaker and proclaim a false gospel. We've got to look deeper than that, okay? My speech and my message were not plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. So it is also not about the wisdom of this world, which we have, as we have learned, is influenced by the powers that are at work and the schemes of man. So what Paul said to the Corinthians is, if anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, if you think you've got it all figured out, or because you're prospering in this age, really the best thing you can do is become a fool. Let him become a fool that he might become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly 
with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. They will get you nowhere. These are all those false trusts that we talked about, strongholds, vain imaginations. We need to repent of all of those and put our faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. Uh, James said it this way. He talks about that there are four kinds of wisdom. And I have a, a, a short teaching on this. It's not a whole course because it's only you know a couple of verses. But there are four kinds of wisdom. And only one kind of wisdom is from God. James 3 verse 15 says, This is not wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly unspiritual, and demonic. Okay, so those are three kinds of wisdom that are not from above. Earthly wisdom is based on the principles of this world. So an example of that is you reap what you sow. That is a principle of this world. That is earthly wisdom. All right. We don't reap what we sow. We reap what Jesus sowed. He said, unless a seed fall to the ground and die, it bears no fruit. He fell to the ground and died. We are reaping his fruit. We are reaping the benefits of his reward. That Anything against that is earthly wisdom. Anything we think we're going to do, you do this, you get that, it's earthly wisdom, the principles of this world. Unspiritual wisdom, in other translations, that would be called sensual wisdom. Sensual wisdom is based on your senses. Sensual, it's your senses, your own desires, your own impulses, your own sensual experiences. And most of those are, the thought is, how do I obtain comfort? How do I make it easy for me? How do I get what I desire? I see something, I want it. How do I get it? How do I make this comfortable? That's unspiritual wisdom. It is sensual. It is based on your senses and what is good for the members of your body. It is not of God. Demonic wisdom is from the evil one. And as we've covered, anything from the evil one, it's usually going to be about self-exaltation, self-preservation, self-advancement, and we have talked about how even Jesus, when Peter came to him and said, no, 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 you don't have to take up your cross. You know, Jesus turned to him and said, get behind me, Satan. Why? Because Peter was speaking with demonic wisdom. Jesus said, you have on your mind the ways of man and not the ways of God. It was demonic wisdom. Jesus called it for what it was. It was coming from Satan through Peter's mouth. Um, there are also teachers who are promoting earthly or worldly benefits, and usually they have large crowds of people following them. They might be good speakers. They might not be good speakers, but the things that they're promising sound good to a lot of people, and so a lot of people follow them. If they're speaking from the world's perspective, the world listens to them, okay? But we aren't proclaiming something that the world has ears to hear, right? Jesus, he said, the whole world is going to hate you for being my followers. Paul said it in 2 Corinthians, our boast is this, the testimony of our consciences that we have behaved in this world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, 
but by the grace of God, and supremely so towards you. He's saying, yeah, that earthly wisdom, that's not how we roll. We roll by the Holy Spirit. We take wisdom that's from above. Wisdom from above. James 3.17 is, first of all, pure, then peaceable. Will it, it goes on. I won't quote the whole thing. I love it. Anyway, he's not functioning by earthly wisdom. That's one of the three wisdoms that is not from God. He's functioning by the grace of God. First John, he said it. I love this passage. He's speaking about false teachers. He said, they are from the world. So false teachers who are promising earthly things and worldly benefits, even if they're using the Bible and the name of Jesus to make those promises to you, they are from the world. They're speaking from the world's perspective. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. John says, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So by who's listening? Is the world listening to you? Then you are of the world. Are the people of God listening to you? Then you are of God. Paul, John just made it so clear. False teachers, they're from the world. The world listens to them because the world wants the promises that they're promising, right? But we are from God. And by this, we know the spirit of truth from the spirit of error. So we are continuing on in know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Know nothing also includes not following man or teachers or the opinions of man. If you are living your life because you think that you're following some great Bible teacher, well, guess what? They might be going into eternal life, and you might have selected someone who really does have a great relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But if you don't have your own relationship with Jesus Christ and with God because through him, then you are in deep trouble. Knowing nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified, that means you. Paul said to the Corinthians, for one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos. But when you behave that way, you're acting like a human. You are acting like everyone else in the world. Paul and Apollos, these were two big teachers in the biblical times. You know, Paul is even talking about himself, but he's like, who am I? Who am I? I'm just a servant of the Lord who through whom you believed. I gave you a message, but you believed you believed the one who is greater than me. Don't boast in men. You have your own relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Putting your trust in men, just like putting your trust in people who have money or influence or power, just like we or authority, just like we talked about. In the prior class, you know, it's a false confidence and it will fail you. So continuing on and knowing nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified is it also includes not being tossed about by unbelief or winds of doctrine or human schemes. James, we talked about this before. James said, if you lack wisdom, ask for it. But this is the part starting with verse six, but let him ask for wisdom in faith. 
with now doubting, without doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. We don't want to be ones who are tossed back and forth like the waves of the sea. That is, if you've ever been out on the sea or if you've ever been seasick, it is a dramatically terrible experience. I don't wish it on anyone. It seems uncontrollable that you just keep, uh, yeah, it's just not pleasant. You don't want to go there. You don't want your spiritual life to be like seasickness. But if every time God speaks to you and gives you wisdom, all you do is doubt it, or if you say, yes, I believe the gospel is the power, but then the trial comes in your life and you don't believe the gospel is the power, you are double-minded and your spiritual life is going to be like tossed and back and forth like the waves of the sea, and you're going to get spiritually seasick. It's not fun. I don't recommend it. Paul also said in the Ephesians, letter to the Ephesians, about becoming mature. We need to become mature in the Lord so that we are no longer tossed like children, tossed to and fro by the waves of the sea and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and by deceitful schemes. So it's not easy. There are a lot of things out there. New winds of doctrine, the latest, greatest, biblically-based teaching that's going to solve your problem today. Okay, that's a new wind of doctrine. Human cunning, people who are just using the things of God or the terminology of ministry to get money from you, to make a living for themselves, to get a following for themselves, craftiness, deceitful schemes, all of these things that are being used, tactics of the enemy to get you out of eternal life, away from your faith in God, away from your faith in the gospel, and into things of the evil one. Even if they seem harmless at first, they go bad quickly once you're on them. We don't want to be that way. We want to grow to maturity so that we are not tossed back and forth like the waves of the sea or carried about by these different things that come and go in the world and come and go even in the body of Christ, we don't want to be tossed by those things. Paul said to Timothy, as for you, flee these things. And the passage preceding this scripture included a whole list of things about the love of money and other things that we've already covered extensively in this unit, unit seven, about the false trust and the false confidences. Paul gives a big list of those to Timothy, and he says, you flee all of these things. Run away. Put your sneakers on. Run. Run as fast as you can away from these things. Instead, run to righteousness. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, steadfastness, gentleness. This is the fight. Don't deny it, friends. We are in a battle. We have weapons to destroy arguments. We have to fight the good fight of faith. It is a fight. You've got to know what you're fighting against so that you can stand in the power of the gospel and experience 
experience the power of the gospel. Paul said, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He's saying, you said you believe this. Now grab it. Now grab it. Take hold of it. As you said you believe it, now show me by what you do that you really believe it. The fight of faith is to resist the lure of all these many and various other things and propositions and objections and arguments against the simplicity of the gospel. All we have to do is believe. All we have to do is receive. All we have to do is become like a child. Everything except for simple faith in Jesus Christ and Him crucified has no eternal hope and no eternal value. 